0: This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Dafflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain with one of CTV's most recognizable and endearing hosts and the driver behind the In Your Shoes feature series.
1: Every day police are faced with decisions where lives hang in the balance and it's easy to second guess.
0: And you could have done this and you could have done that. Well, I guess at the end of the day, walk a mile in our shoes. And today, doing just (laughs) constable recruit and Lou has jumped into every role with gusto for you today we're gonna do the weapons training piece and fire an automatic weapon. Yes I'm ready and
1: Action (laughs) What happened? Oh my goodness. No matter how intensive Ready to fly. Training starts with a 17-week program at the Air New Zealand Aviation Institute. But I only have have four hours.
0: Or seemingly mundane. I love holding the shoes and using my hands to fix these shoes. Patrick Nydam
1: has a new apprentice today. Got my dirty apron on. I'm about to learn the secrets
0: of cobbling. Or downright ridiculous. As the new hot dog racer, I suggest two things. One, elbows out. Elbows out. Two, Run really fast, just really fast.
1: I can see it now. Get
0: out of the way! Anne's most recent assignment took her out of her comfort zone, joining the hardworking men and women of the Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue.
1: Star 2, Star 1, please be advised that uh, we've arrived at our search commencement point.
0: They keep our waters safe every day. We're all volunteers. We operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year.
1: That's right. This isn't the real job, but they take it seriously, and there are a lot of them.
0: There's 31 stations up and down the coast with over 1,100 volunteers. I'm joined now by the woman herself, Ann Lou. Thank you so much for your first appearance on BTS on CTV. I'm excited to be here, Penny. I have to tell you... A lot of things that we do on this job are a lot of fun as reporters and, and very exciting. But being on the water the way that you were and helping with a rescue, yes. uh, that was really cool. Was your adrenaline pumping when you were doing that story? Definitely, because I got to literally be in the shoes
1: of search the marine search and rescue. So first of all, I don't know how to swim, so I was very Uh-oh. concerned about that. But what people don't know is that, no, they never go in the water unless they're dragged in or else they fall in. Number one rule is no, we don't get in the water because why have two people in the water that you have to rescue, right? So they stay in the boat, which I was relieved for, but it's just go, go, go. They, you know, did some acrobatics for me with other boats and we got to drive around. But when you see someone in the the water, even though it's a dummy, you only have X amount of time. And for me, you know, I didn't get him the first time around, and that's where their expertise comes in, and that's when you're like, oh my goodness, your job is really hard.
0: Coming down the starboard side, 10 feet, Ten feet. 5 feet off the starboard side. You grab him, you grab him. Stop the boat! I don't have him!
1: Good thing go it's just a again. simulation, because we can do it again. Okay, you hook
0: him. Got okay, him! Okay, we got him around the boat goes he's heavy yeah he's heavy and I'm glad you kept that in the story because other people may not have wanted to look like oh god I couldn't manage it but I think it's really important to include that kind of stuff in there yeah because all the training that they have to do
1: and the fact there's so many of them and that they're all volunteers right so the the, the, it's not their regular job they have regular jobs so Scott who is the main guy I was with he you know has a tech company and Jason who was the driver he has a construction company so they're doing this on their off time away from their families and they're just doing this to make sure that we're safe
0: It amazes me the volunteer effort in Metro Vancouver and the Lower Mainland I know uh, there's a lot of them on the Sunshine Coast as well but I'm just so humbled at the because it's not just when we see the rescues like the training involved to be able to pull that off is tremendous. Yeah and they have to upkeep it as well so it's not just oh I know
1: CPR and I know first aid and I did that 10 years ago no they have to keep on refining their skills so you know that our waters are safe
0: what was the best part about doing this particular story I have to say the best part for me was not getting sick because I uh, I get
1: seasick and motion sick. I get motion sickness no matter what, even in a car. So being able to plane on a boat, go really, really fast, to turn around, to, you know, get um, someone out of the water just bobbing around and to be able to
0: not throw up was a success. Well, I'm extra impressed that you (laughs) went to do this assignment. Like that's very gutsy. It is, but it's the
1: best part of my job. Yes, you know, I love weather. I love um, telling people what it's going to be like, but being able to do this and step into other people's jobs and just realize how important other jobs are, right? Everybody thinks, you know, firefighters are so glamorous or a cop so glamorous, but what everybody has to go through until you're in that situation, you just don't know how hard it's going to be.
0: Well, and you've done a variety of things. Uh, you uh, tried a straight razor shave. You were a, a flight attendant. You've done all sorts of things. Uh, what are the, I guess, occupations that really kind of stand out for you that were a lot harder than you thought they would be? The RCMP officer.
1: I was surprised how I froze because they put me in a scenario where someone was angry and it, you know he had an item that he could hit me with and. We went through training, but I froze right away. I grabbed my gun, which you're not supposed to do, but I couldn't shoot it. And then it just escalated and they had to pause the whole scenario.
0: I'm going to keep your head in with this
1: thing. Right about now, I should be reaching for my pepper spray. Get the f*** out of here right now. I'm not going to jail. But it's completely slipped my mind. I'm going to need you to lie down on the floor. This may be just a simulation, but my heart is pounding, and I've forgotten just about everything I just learned. Stop for a second. I was hyperventilating. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody, you know, judges uh, officers, and when they're they're like, oh, well, why did they do this? Well, unless you're in that situation, you have no idea how you're going to react. And they have, of course, amazing training. My training was just an hour, but just in that situation, I thought in my brain, I would have been able to handle it, but I didn't handle it at all. I couldn't even finish the whole scenario.
0: I think it's important to do those stories though, because we call these features because, you know, you spend a lot of time setting it up and and filming it and and getting all sorts of cool angles that we can't normally get in day-to-day news. But I think it's, it's important that we kind of just have that little perspective, mm-hmm. even if it makes you think, even if you just have one thought about how difficult someone's job is, or, huh, I never realized that challenge existed in, in that occupation. I know, I think everybody is
1: stuck in their little bubble, and they think that, you know, they're able to judge because of what they have lived, how they've lived their lives. Like, oh, if I did that, I would have done this. But it's really, now I always step back and I'm like, mm, actually, you just don't know how you're going to react in that situation.
0: What's the, What kind of feedback do you get from the
1: public on these stories? A lot of people love them. I send them to my family all the time. And they love it because... And the reason why I started was because nobody sees behind the scenes of how people actually do the jobs. You know, firefighters, even a barber and the cobbler. (laughs) I love the cobbler. Can we just talk about the cobbler episode for a moment? Right? Nobody thinks that it's, they know it's a job, but they don't know what it takes to actually do that job.
0: Soles are very slippery. The
1: first job is right up my alley, a $1,200 pair of Louboutins that need a grippy new sole. This is the closest I'll get to these kind of shoes. I'm a little scared.
0: This stuff here is going to soak into the leather because we've opened up all the pores. Well, and there's so many things that you don't realize that people spend a lifetime really yeah. learning and perfecting everything from you know somebody cooking a certain yeah. dish in their restaurant to to a cobbler like our shoes yeah. Are important, I mean, as, as women, I mean, right. of course, <laughs> we're gonna say that. But, but uh, you know, when you think about the, the work and the knowledge that someone has yeah. to have to do such a specialized thing, it's amazing. And they were third
1: generation, so they've been doing it for years and years and years, a trade passed down from parents and grandparents. And what I got from that was we are such a society of. Excess, you know. Oh, I have my shoe, it has a little tear in it, I'm gonna throw it away. Whereas they have shoes there, like Italian leather shoes, that's been in a family for like a hundred years, passed down from generation. All they do is redo the sole, or rebuff it, or clean it up. And I thought, oh, we should go back into that time and, you know, actually really care for the things that we have rather than throw them away. Less kind of disposable fashion and stuff and more good quality that you hold on to. Yeah, pay a little more and enjoy it for a
0: longer period of time. I think the story that people are going to remember the most that you did is when you went to be a stunt double. And I cannot believe (laughs) what you went through and what you did. I'm still stunned that you did that. I am too.
1: (laughs) I watch it sometimes and what was I thinking? But it was... An opportunity I couldn't say no to. So Peter Kent, he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double for 15 years. So he did all the movies, and he uh, asked me if I'd want to do it. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, how hard it could it be?
0: It's really hard. And so he approached you saying, do you want to do an in-your-shoes-on-stunt yeah, work? Yes. And I said, yeah, that would be great.
1: So high-wire stuff was great. The guns, uh, that's terrifying. Uh, but being lit up on fire. That was interesting because I knew that they couldn't do anything wrong because we had three cameras there and they can't burn me, right? But just the process and then understanding the process of what every stunt actor has to go through to make sure that they aren't injured, right? Just, uh, I had every single part of me in this goo that made sure that i wouldn't you know actually feel the heat or get burnt and it was every detail there's three people checklisting making sure that um yeah everything goes well without any
0: disasters take a deep breath through your mouth
1: fire i'm on fire
0: walk to me walk
1: to me that a girl, walk to me. What only walk lasts for 12 seconds... Walk to me. ...feels like walk a lifetime.
0: Walk to me and down.
1: And for something I never thought I'd do, I'd definitely do it again.
0: That's awesome! All right! Well, visually, it was probably the most spectacular thing we've ever put on the air. Having one of our on-air talent that people know and love set on fire. It was a pretty remarkable thing. And it was an amazing experience
1: because you cannot get that experience except for through his stunt school in Canada and internationally. People fly in, actors fly in from around the world just to get that experience. So I'm very, very lucky.
0: Speaking of experience, I think part of what makes these stories so special is the camera work. Mm -hmm. And it is, we have, I've talked about it on other podcasts, we have such an amazing camera department at CTV Vancouver. Tell us a little bit about what they do, what you've seen our shooters do to get the right shot, because it's watching those stories, I feel like I'm there with you, right. and it's the camera work that does that. Yeah. and, you know, kudos to
1: all our photographers. Steve Hughes uh, usually works with me. He was in the search and rescue one, and there was a point in time he was on another boat um, shooting us, you know, just going down the water at high speeds, and I'm looking at him because he's on this tiny little speedboat and I thought he was going to fall off and I was like oh he my probably goodness. did too and, you know, so he thought he was going to fall off and I can't you know show on my face like oh my goodness don't fall off so I have to concentrate because I can't hit another boat because it was such a busy day on the water so they put their lives on the line just to make sure we get the perfect shot of course GoPros help you know so we get the different angles but what they do daily like mine was a feature but just thinking of The wildfires and all the extreme news that they have to go through is just amazing. I don't know how they do, but I'm so glad that they do.
0: But you know what? Their favorite thing is actually doing this type of story with you, where they can take a little bit of time Mm -hmm. and think about a different angle. And the sound. I think sound is really important, too. It's not just about the visuals because if you hear a motor running Mm -hmm. or or whatever else, that helps you feel like you're there with you experiencing this stunt or whatever else. And that's what
1: Amazed me the first time I shot the the segment. It was, you know, they would stop and they would just, okay, wait. And then they would just go around to shoot all the different sound ups and natural sounds, the gnats that as we call it. And I just thought, okay, I just need to go home. <laughs> like, really, do we need? Can't we just you know grab something um, off the internet later? But no, it's just that attention to detail that makes the story sound and look so much better.
0: So then you've um, either come up with a story idea or somebody's pitched you on mm-hmm. an in-your-shoes. Uh, you shoot it with uh, one or two videographers. You come back, then what's the next step in the process for you? Then I go through all the
1: elements so all the video, I shot list, so I write down all the lines that I like that I'll grab and then I usually sit there for hours and hours staring at a blank page because having to write the story, I find the hardest is the first line, the introduction to the story and once I get that going then I can create tell the story as I want it So that's the hardest part is getting it going. And then so I add my lines and then I try to grab as much of the natural sound. And I want the focus to be on the person training me or teaching me of whatever stunt or whatever activity I'm doing so that people can understand that it's from their point of view and I'm just there to experience it.
0: It's interesting that you say the first line is the hardest because uh, storytellers, writers, reporters—I think it's—it's usually you file into one of either two camps. What is the first? The first line is the hardest, or the last line is the hardest, and it's we try. We often try to start out with the best shot first, Mm -hmm. but that's not always the case because sometimes the best shot, like you on fire, you can't start with that. Where do you go from there? Yeah, it has to be the end, right? So storytelling actually, each story—it's not like there's a formula. If people out there think that oh, there's a storytelling formula especially with the type of work that you do. No. it's Each is, is its own animal. It's very different every time because sometimes I think of it
1: beforehand. It's like, I know I'm going to start with this. I want this shot exactly. And then when I come back to my desk, it's like, oh, no, this, one, this part was amazing. I want to start with that. And, yeah, every day it's different and every story is different. And there is no book or, you know, way to do it right or wrong. Well,
0: and it depends on you, too, right? And, and what you're into. So what, what is on Ann Lou's wish list for well. future in your shoes? Because if people are listening, I, I'd love to just, you know, throw it out there. Yeah. And uh... Well, I, thought, I think I've done the craziest...
1: Uh, segments already you know firefighters, stunt, RCMP uh, Cirque du Soleil um, and I also was with the Comox military for their search and rescue you know when you rappel down a helicopter how much better can it get so yeah suggestions would be great I I was able to um, be part of the sushi races with the Canadians (laughs) so there were fun ones in there are you guys worried? You should be worried we get ready to race so sushis don't even know what's coming for them.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, on your mark. And we're off. Here they come. They got a special guest today. It's Ann Luce, CTV weather anchor, as our guest hot dog.
1: I start off strong, but Chef Wasabi Uh had other plans.
0: Oh, Ann's been down. The hot dog is down. Our winner today, Chef Wasabi. Ann's not giving up just yet. That hot dog is going to finish this race.
1: Sure, I finish last. But in my mind, I'm the winner. I'm the wiener. I'm the wiener. And I will be doing another one with the Vancouver Canadians. It's a little historical piece with the uh, bullpen carts that uh, they brought back into the games. So yeah, we'll see how that one goes.
0: So you're you're not going to give uh, you're playing your cards close to the vest here, <laughs> yes. not telling us anything yet. Well, I'd like suggestions
1: as well. I wanted, to, there's so many I want to do, but I found out that in this day and age, waivers and legal legalities, uh, red tape is what's holding me back for all the really exciting ones.
0: Well, hopefully somebody is out there and thinking, I would love to show you how to do <laughs> something. Yes, I don't know. Right. I've I've had
1: suggestions that I, I will say, sorry, if you work in an office, I, I'm not interested in being an accountant.
0: <laughs> well, can I just say from a selfish perspective, if you could learn how to make some of the macarons that are sold in town, oh, I mean, that... Yeah. Now- Yes, yes, I have that on my list. Bakers, chefs, and chocolate makers. Chocolate. I've been
1: to Purdy's been a chocolate maker already. So, yes, the list is long. It's just trying to chop it down and tr- honestly trying to find time to get it all done because
0: these do take time I, I when people watch these stories it's two minutes on the air but you can easily have an hour of video yes. and clips and then much more time spent actually on the ground yes if only it was just an hour of
1: video Uh-oh. and clips it's usually about two or three that I have to you know go through and then just try to get all the nice clips that I want so and plus I have a full-time job, right? So it's trying to work around that. So that's why they're few and far between. But when they do air, I hope everybody like
0: like them, and they're really good. Speaking of your full-time job, I don't think I can have you on without talking about <laughs> it. I am amazed at the setup and how you're able to make it look so natural because you've got a green screen yes. going on, you've got another monitor, you're memorizing temperatures yes. and special warnings and all these things. How do you do it? <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> oh, well, I think... I.
1: What people don't realize, I'm producing everything myself as well. So I'm creating the boards. And while I'm doing that, there's a sequence that I plot them all in. So it's already in my brain of what is going to happen. And like a reporter and like my In Your Shoes, it's a story that I'm trying to tell. So, okay, so what is happening? It's, okay, Here we start off with temperatures. But as the change comes throughout the weeks and throughout the days, you know, that's when we show the radar. And then that's when we show the active weather. So I try to make it like a story so it's more comprehensible rather than here's some temperatures, here's your highs and lows,
0: and that's it, right? And see, I just thought that you had an amazing memory, like a photographic memory or something yeah, to be no. able to do that. I didn't realize right. that you kind of think long term and what comes <laughs> next and what came before and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a, I, found it a, I find it a lot easier doing that. So it's sequenced in my brain. And then it also helps. I have three monitors that I'm looking at, so when I do forget something, I have little triggers that I'll look at. It's like, oh, okay, then here's what's happening on the south coast, here's what's happening on the inter- in the interior. But when there's so much going on in the winter, that's the hardest, because we're trying to deal with all the warnings, whether it's wind, whether it's Arctic outflow, snow, that keeps us, that keeps me on my toes, for sure.
0: Well, I think of the fall. I mean, that's when we seem to have the most uh, rainfall warnings, mm-hmm. uh, high stream flow advisory, like you. See- you wind. had, we yeah. there's it's just never ending. It seems like every day there's something different and then to try to remember that for multiple shows yeah. when, okay, this segment, you've got 30 seconds here and a minute and a half yeah. there and then something different there. It's tremendous how much you can keep in your brain. Yes, and, the,
1: and all the different shows are different as well so we try to hit um, the whole province in the five but six, we're, you know, very focused on the south coast but I also have to do um, our news channel so that's the hardest because we're going across the country and, oh, my goodness, come winter and summer, you know, with all the warnings, trying to remember all of those. So it's a it's a little break when I have to do our local newscast because we are so fortunate living here when it's just like, oh, you know, we have a heat warning for a day or something like that.
0: 22 degrees and partly cloudy, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> exactly, and a chance of showers. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that at all. Well, she is a woman of many talents. She's so much fun, as you can hear from this podcast, and I'm so grateful that she was here. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you for having me. I also want to thank Adam Lee for his support with Archival Audio this week, and thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daflos.